Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen. I uh, couldn't find a sub, so it's just going to be me all the time. I, I didn't do a show last week. Is that bad? I've, I've, done, I've taken a few weeks where I didn't do a show, and boy, does it make a difference. Uh, I get more listens when there's no show. Is that possible? That's like the movie Animal Crackers. That's like the movie, the Marx Brothers movie, where they get paid more for not playing than they do for playing. How much do you get paid an hour? For playing or for not playing? Uh, and they get paid more for not playing. So, uh, thanks for listening. I didn't. I had plenty to talk about last week, but I didn't get around to it. Half of this thing is just getting in front of the microphone and getting going. Um, Man, we did so much last week. We had the Homeboy. I want to talk about so much last week. I did the 5K up at Homeboy in L.A., and uh, I didn't realize how short. 5K is like three miles. It's silly. I could have done it backwards or in my sleep. So I don't know. After that, I felt a little like what this was kind of, I mean, I could have done a lot more while I'm here. But whatever. Raise money. Raise a couple hundred dollars for Homeboy Industries there on Bruno, downtown L.A., for the uh, former gangbangers, former inmates trying to get their lives uh, going again, right? Um, I didn't even think about sharing the link and possibly making them more money. And then a couple of days before, I got an email that reminded me to share. And I went ahead and did, and friends donated. Just unreal for that cause. So, all right, welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the sleepiest 30 minutes in show business. Uh, great weekend. Always great, right? People ask how you're doing. I just can't complain. You know, I will complain. I do complain. I shouldn't complain. Those complaints are all uh, measurements against what? Against uh, imaginary or image-driven happiness that we see online, right? Multimillionaires who media and social media are living a better life than me, who I wouldn't otherwise know about. Um, I don't know that their lives are not are necessarily better. We're told it is through those things but uh you have to look at what you have right and ask is this all enough to make me happy and more times than not it is my buddy steve simone a great comic in la now florida uh made his bones in la he's from philly he was in la for 20 now he's in florida uh doing cruise ships doing you know traveling around just a great dude he has a great quote he says um even the mediocres now um mid-level business people comics athletes artists whatever we live better than czars we live better than czars no czars are 200 years old right uh 150 years old perhaps but they didn't um have access to the things we did necessarily they couldn't go to cvs in the middle of the night they didn't have anonymity i mean they could get whatever you know you want a harem or or 10 women or Hugh Hefner style lives. It's a little trickier about that. The czars made people disappear that they didn't like, so that's not bad. But uh, hour to hour, day to day, you know, ESPN, Netflix, right? Air conditioning, we have all these things, but we still want more. Um, yeah, I don't think I could have murdered, I, I don't think I can murder someone without consequence. But uh, anyway, top to bottom, we live better than czars there's a you know i remember an old andy griffin episode where one of the guys is tired of mayberry and i don't know if he retires but he just goes to key west and he everyone's making fun of him they're like what are you doing that for why are you going there and he hates it and it's too hot and they show pictures of him or footage of him in key west couple scenes 
And it just looks like so depressing and it's so blah. And it was like laughable in the 1950s. And, you know, air conditioning hits. And now, obviously, it's one of the top places to be. People go there, travel, vacation, live, whatever. And great weather. But uh, I don't know. It's just funny that without air conditioning, that was an area that wasn't very desirable. You know, the Spanish... It was called the Spanish Territory and Gone with the Wind, which is a great uh, thing if you get a chance. Um, okay, so that, and people are living longer now. We're just, it, it's life is, it can be so good. And we just got to make sure it's good for as many people as possible and uh, not just for the upper middle. Um, I went back to Homeboy on Friday to drop off a ton of stuff. Thank you, my buddy Andy. He uh, was moving out and gave me some goods to give to them. And I'll tell you, man, just because those guys, just because it's a great place and a good mission, doesn't mean all those ex-gangsters and uh, people that have been in jail, they're not going to be just so charming to you. You know, they're, uh, I think they're happy to have it, but they're still processing all that. They're probably processing people giving them things that are functional. We give them a nice rocker. We give them a refrigerator, a couple couches, an ottoman, um, a couple other things. So uh, that was good. All right, what else? Um, I went to a show at the Improv. I've been to sh- going to the, sh- the Improv a lot, Irvine Improv, sit in the back. But I went with my buddy and his wife, and we went to a show last Sunday night and did the whole, like, normally if I go, I go solo, and I come in just a few minutes after the show starts. I sit in the back. But this time I went as a passenger. And it's been a long time since I've seen the audience from the inside. You know what I mean? I haven't been to a show in the audience in a long time. And I sat as a spectator would, and it was amazing. It was great. It was a podcast. It was in podcast form. It was Heather McDonald, three different guests. They talk about celebrity gossip and the housewives of various counties and cities and towns. It was really fun. And you really got to see what people, you know, you, with a podcast, you see people in their natural habitat. It's up there. It's more comfortable. You're not stand-up comic. You're not up there isolated doing material um and i don't know it it seems like a good gig to do the uh to do celebrity gossip it wasn't material it's just you're just writing celebrity coattails and i I just wonder what the hell i am doing why am i i'm not doing that like why do i try so hard to write when i could just be making fun of something that's already famous and then just parlay it off that heather does a good job she's endearing she's just she's not just a snotty person talking about uh that okay uh i don't know what they were talking about when they were doing the celebrity gossip but i was still laughing my ass off the following is so important right the movement the theme the vibe the tide i i've never had that like having a following as a performer or whatever you know you're a taylor swift um who who, whomever right it's so important it, because it feels like a movement. It's like when Pearl Jam did Lollapalooza uh, in the early to mid-90s. I think it must have been early, geez. And they were in the middle of the day. So they were in the middle of the lineup, and they just rocked it. And they just blew the roof off the place. You know, they bring their fans. They go up, and they just explode. And people are like, who is this? And I want in. Similar in comedy in a little bit, you know. So you got a theme. you got a voice. You have a point of view as a comic. And you have a tide with the times people are are doing it. I've never I've never had that. I I've never had the wave 
of the backing. You know, it wasn't the married guy who had the hot wife who she made fun of him. I could have been. You know, that would have been great for comedy just to be the the lackey in the relationship with the hot wife that you listen to. Um, you know, I wasn't the married guy. I wasn't the family guy with, with the family. I was never the fat guy, the chubby guy that could talk about um, food and eating and stuff like that. The political guy, eh, a little bit, but I was, I was never exclusive on politics. It's hard enough to get people to laugh. I don't really want to do politics too much. Wasn't the angry guy, the angry, I don't know, white guy maybe, or uh, loud or big. So no point of view. It's always been very incongruent. Just an observational, self-deprecating, smart-ass white guy, right? Uh, there's a lot of us, so you, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. In New York, you get so many sets doing stand-up. There's just there's so much action. Just stay, And you don't even need to get on TV. You're just like three sets a night, different places. You kind of have to hustle, but you will get traction doing just stand-up. In L.A., <coughs> you have to be your own production company. I forgot what comic told me that. I think it was Dax Shepard. You have to be your own production company. You know, uh, the internet, social media apps, they've changed things. Right? It's different, but it's still the case for the most part. LA, there's so much scrambling going on. It's so disconnected. It's seven different cities. It's nine different cities. Um, and so it's like a lot of hipster comedy all over the place. In New York, it's still comedy where you get paid. To do, you know, you have to go fly, uh, train over to Jersey, get down to Philly, get up to Boston, upstate New York, outside the city, and it's paid work. In LA, it's like, oh, there's a couple paid gigs in Orange County. You know what I mean? Maybe a little paid work in Vegas. Vegas is getting bigger, Phoenix, San Diego, more and more places opening up. Now, Seinfeld was a white single guy, not crude, not fat, not political, very anal, right? Very deep about the joke. Just kept squeezing the berry. Didn't really talk social issues. Right? Just day-to-day stuff that he was actually interested in. And that stuff cracks me up. But so too does some social and political stuff. A little edge. All right? A little more Chris Rock. My first TV appearance, that's right, had a touch of political and social. It talked about how the war on drugs was possibly made worse by the government. And the slogan, war on drugs. You know, implementing that into all the kids' brains, uh, overdoing it to the point the kids are like, drugs, what are drugs? Are there anything like sweets? Because you don't want us eating sweets, and those are pretty good. So if these drugs are anything like sweets, we may have to give these drugs a try. The constant mention of what drugs were led to more people trying them. That's kind of the idea of the joke. So that could be seen as risque in some circles, right? And I want to do a joke about assault rifles, not guns. Assault rifles, why civilians have them, if they should. How if someone, a kid or an angry adult, ever tried to shoot shoot at me or took aim at me with an assault rifle? I feel that assault weapon owners are such blowhards, such dumb shits, that all you have to do from distancing them from you is to say, they're, like, they're about to point the gun at you, they point the gun at you, and you just go, oh my God, is that the new version? And they're so up their own gun culture ass that they'd stop and answer the question and take you through the weapon, right? They would pause from their life's mission of slaughtering whoever they were going to slaughter to use it on civilians as a statement. 
and they'd let their ego get stroked. They'd stop this mission they're on to let their leg, their ego get stroked. Like, oh yeah, this is the new version. How, did you recognize it? Did you see it in magazines? It's limited exposure. You're not supposed to know about it. Oh, no, no, but I've just heard about it. I just heard a new one was coming out. That's awesome, man. Wow. So what are you going to do with it? Oh, okay, I'm out of here. Um, so anyway, that kind of joke might not land in a lot of places, perhaps anywhere. But uh, who cares, right? Why start landing jokes now? I don't know why I have this written down. Does a comic need Hollywood to survive? Not really. Not really. Um, actors, probably. Probably. L.A., New York. And New York stage, L.A. film. Right? Um, but yeah, for the most part, a comic, you don't need... I mean, Doug Stanhope's about the most honest comic out there, and he doesn't touch L.A. or New York. He and his manager, Brian Hennigan, they have it down, man. They, uh, Bisbee, Arizona, you know, and then he can hop on a flight anywhere and go. And he's got his following, his social media following with the internet. You can kind of launch from anywhere. But if you're a purist and you want to do just stand-up, then New York is still such a good spot. Um, even though your act can blend into the hundreds and hundreds of other acts, um, you just get more reps, you know, in the city, Right? cutting edge in brooklyn little hip maybe too hip too woke um you know aware socially aware boom right up to the bronx jersey connecticut all over the place colleges clubs uh what's the place in staten island wise guys or something like that no that's that's utah gentlemen i don't know what it's called there's a place in uh, staten island that i can't imagine has any hipness but who knows okay um, Doug Stanhope, man, they do research. Him and Hennigan, they do research on these venues. I remember some guys in Orange County were trying to get Stanhope to come down, and he eventually did do a show with those guys, Chris and Mark and Christian, my boys that I started with. But it took a few venues, I think, because Brian knows the landscape. He knows what makes, makes a successful show. He knew not to do a comedy show where people are standing up. All right, something that simple. You can't have people standing up for stand-up comedy shows, ironically. It takes their mind off laughing, right? Comedy is a specific desired response. Concerts, people can stand, right? Would you have people stand at a movie theater, an opera, a ballet, a play, a musical? No. Some of these comedy bookers and promoters try to make shows out of nothing, and they end up making things worse. They end up making comedy like, oh, I don't like that venue. They do weird venues that don't work for comedy, but they want it to so bad for whatever, their own ego, or man, there's a, they do um, the standing up for, some of these venues work for music, but not comedy. It's the little things like that, people standing, windows behind the stage so the audience is looking through the glass past you on stage. An overly lit audience, that drives me crazy if I can see everybody. Oh, God, it's no good, man. High ceilings, no good. Food isn't always great, you know, if it's dinner right people eating if it's snacks drinks that's one thing dinner no good all right and this is coming from someone who overthinks everything but i'm overthinking this but that's kind of what you do uh there's plenty of comics who can perform in high ceilings with overly lit audiences overly lit audiences with people standing up i'm sure just not for me i when i write it's for specific i need someone's mind you know invested it's not this casual looking away i was raised on sitcoms my ideal stage my default room in my brain 
would be the room where Seinfeld is performing at the beginning of the episodes, where he's doing stand-up in those little rooms. Intimate rooms where, where language matters. Not a sloppy stage where volume and swearing gets results, mediocre results. Plenty of those rooms. Um, Acme. And by the way, in Seinfeld, I think late, about halfway through the show, they stopped doing those stand-up uh, intro bumpers. It just became about the show because it was so good. They're like, why even waste these 30 seconds on, on an intro joke? But I, you know, to start it off, it was great. Acme in Minnesota doesn't even allow... This is a comedy club. Acme Comedy Club in Minnesota doesn't even allow food in the showroom. You have your dinner outside the showroom. Um, it's just one of those northern, midwestern-type buildings that go on forever, right? And you eat your dinner, and then you go into the showroom. There's plenty of space, right? No food. No food in the showroom. The Toledo Funny Bone is the exact opposite where people come in for the food. It's, it's great food, but, you know, it's too much. People are eating, especially for the middle act before the headliner. They're clanking their silverware. They're slurping their gravy. They just nod as they're licking sauce off their fat fingers. It's so frustrating, right? I'm born in that town, and I go back, and I don't like playing that club for that reason. It's a nice club. I like the layout. Um, it's good food, but it's just, I don't know if it's a timing thing or what, but people, or maybe it's just Toledo Midwest. They love to eat in that town. And, uh, like I, I had to stop my first set there a couple years ago, halfway through. I just, I'm like, when's the last time you people ate? You ate lunch, right? Like, are you being starved? Anyway, it's Toledo, right? Okay. So, but Toledo is a good mix of Chicago and Cleveland. Like Cleveland's a good mix of Chicago and New York. Toledo is like equidistant between Cleveland and Chicago and kind of has a feel for both. It's kind of cool. And then Chicago has that with New York. I'm sorry, Cleveland has that with New York and uh, Chicago. I really think Cleveland gets a bad rap. I really do like it every time I go. Uh, So point is, I need to get a point of view on stage, POV. I got to get an angle, something that connects all this incongruent material. You know, these one-liners, these short stories, some stuff's true, some stuff's silly. You know, what's going to connect it all? Can I just be a silly person or do I need to have a voice, you know? Um, maybe I should just tell people up front, I don't know what you want to hear, audience, ladies and gentlemen. And because I'm too much of a people pleaser, I'm just going to do a bunch of different stuff. Not just different jokes, different styles. Uh, and then just do them. And see see where the cards fall. I need to learn guitar or piano and just play a nice undertone that adds to the silliness. And it kind of is a through line to it all, all the jokes. Just something that makes it all less random. I don't know, a slideshow or something. AV, bring that in. Um, did I? Oh, I had that joke. Where is that? I wanted to try a joke on you guys. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay. So, so I need to find a voice. Part of what's helping with that is uh, this. I joined a men's group that's really good. We talk once a week. We talk Saturday mornings, and then throughout the week, there are calls we can all get on. That's been it's just been unbelievable, and it opens your eyes. And it's exhausting if you ever um, join a men's group and you and you have massive changes in your life, massive improvements in your life. It's exhausting, and it and it, and it messes with your moods. I didn't. Re- I'm like, did I do drug? I I didn't. I don't do drugs this weekend um or drink but you feel i'm like i'm coming off a weird uh emotional swing here from 
just this self-awareness, looking at your past, looking it through the eyes of an outsider, um, taking accountability for what you went wrong and not blaming yourself for things you didn't have control over or for things, decisions you made long ago. Um, and it's, it's a vigilant man. It's vigilant mental health. Um, I don't know, analysis. And, and, and I'll tell you, it's exhausting. Like today, I'm just like, I feel like I'm coming off some kind of crazy emotional thing uh, from the past weekend. But really, it's just all that kind of spending your time, spending time with yourself, reading the right books, uh, self-analysis, all that. So, um, so there's a shift going on with the internet and social media, show business. Show business doesn't need Hollywood anymore, which is kind of nice. Because the plan, I talked about this with my buddy Chris, who's in finance, and uh, we just joke about some of the plans on some of these projects. And it's like, where is the economic model? And I don't even know, but I just know that a terrible script with very mediocre people isn't going to get any results, but that doesn't stop Hollywood, right? Now people are making content from all over the world and can succeed without stepping a foot in L.A. Francis Ford Coppola, in The Making of Apocalypse Now, a documentary about that it's called Heart of Darkness, Making of Apocalypse Now. And his wife um, kind of films a bunch of footage while he's losing his mind making Apocalypse Now. And in that, there's a clip of saying, this is all going to change. This is 1978. And he's like, this is all going to change. And his quote is, some fat girl in Ohio is going to get a camera someday and, and be able to compete with big Hollywood uh, filmmakers. And I, I never knew what that meant, cut to you know, 25 years later, 30 years later. You know, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Uh, YouTube. So, um, it's just funny. It's funny that we still have countless shows about going to Hollywood to make it big, which is just ridiculous. You know, America's Got Talent, The Voice, Dancing with the Stars. And I, there needs to be a show about people who've been in Hollywood for years, but just want to get out, right? N no failure. No, no, no shame in it. No shame in getting out. They just want to get out. They've had enough, right? And they'll take any bailout, right? They've had mediocre success, and they need a golden parachute. They need a rescue package, right? A job with benefits and not impossible odds in an affordable community. Where's that reality show? You know, like, Jenna's been a waitress for 20 years off Hollywood and Vine and has spent enough on acting classes and headshots to uh, have a house in any other part of the country, all paid off by now. She has no savings, no health insurance, and has seen all of her peers age out of roles and come away with very little sense of self-worth, regardless of any money or fame that may have achieved along the way. Let's get her out of Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, where is that show? Trevor and his band have been laid on every rent payment for over a decade in their two-bedroom Venice apartment, any gig they've gotten has grossly underpaid them and left them wondering why they came to L.A. in the first place. Instead of writing and creating and letting their soul bleed into their work, they spend their time obsessing and overthinking their decision and wondering if they love music at all anymore. Let's get them out of Hollywood. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's that needs to be a show. And it could just live online or whatever. But uh, just getting out. Because you can still do this stuff. I mean, if you want to still act, then I, I don't know. I don't know. Make sketches uh, online used to, I guess. But uh, for music, for stand-up, you don't need it. For writing, you don't need it. Helps with connections, the networking, that part, of course. 
But uh, I always tell comics around the country, if you just want to do stand-up, I don't know why you'd go to L.A. Unless you want to live in L.A. It's great weather. Two of my friends, Jeselnik and uh, Kinane, that's really where they sprouted. So this is just one person's opinion. Brian, Brian was doing well at his father's firm in Tampa until he wanted to give sketch and improv classes a try. In just under 10 years, he was able to bankrupt his family's savings on a collection of wigs and fake mustaches. He's been on a couch for most of the past year and keeps thinking he's going to get a callback for that cell phone commercial. There's still time for Brian to enjoy life and find other avenues for his performance aspirations and the aspirations of all the other contestants if we can just get them out of Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Don't get your value from the wrong places, right? As the world and marketplaces change, we need to adjust. Don't stay in the same routine getting the same results. It's okay to have a dream, but know when to pivot on that dream. Know how to alter things a little bit. Don't wake up in 20 years completely off track because you got caught up in the wrong things because you thought they were an important part of your business, right? I just wanted to get on stage and make people laugh uh, from the beginning, from an early age, right? All of a sudden, I'm paying a meth addict to be my life coach. It's like, okay, where did some serious detours. Things get off track, okay? Remember the enthusiasm you had when you started, coach, teacher, uh, business world, right? Whatever. The things, uh, you know, things really get uh, get get, to get back to the core, which is what this men's group's all about. Am I doing an ad for a men's group? Okay, uh, where are we here? All right, we got about five minutes left. I wanted, oh, uh, I saw the Chappelle special. Loved it. I know there's a lot of cancel culture ready to go on him, um, which is so funny to me because he's addressing it, which is a huge part of it. I mean, you're canceling people that are addressing the very problems. And it's like, maybe commend him. Whether you, Even if you think he's wrong on it, you're like, at least he's talking about it. He's got a dialogue going. Jesus, he's up there. He's got balls, you know. Um, just a great special, really funny. And, you know, I, I understand to a small degree, and this is very small, the whole identifying with their, like, I'm a 6'2", 220 guy. I do not identify as a frat guy or even an ex-football player, ex-jock. I mean, I guess you have to be a really successful athlete. But I don't identify as that at all. I identify more as like a Woody Allen guy. You know what I mean? So, and I don't, it's still weird for me, not the Dodgers, but like the Lakers. It takes a little work to root for them. Um, I think I finally come around. And even the LA teams, my dad went to SC. But like, I'm still so rooted. I still, when I check the scores, I'm like, how did Michigan do? How Notre Dame do? How Ohio State do? Like, I'm still in that. Like, I still identify, even though I was only there a few years of my youth. And I'm a Californian at this point. Now, that's a big stretch from identifying uh, against the sex that you were born into. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know with gender pronouns in that situation. At what point does something not a noun? At what point, that's a boy, right? That's a penis, um that's a vagina on a woman like aren't those nouns or do we have to say oh no that's a sex area or that's a reproductive area but you're not allowed to say which word it is or a he or a she or if someone is a he and he wants to be called a she i don't think anybody has a problem with that right it's just kind of when you're forced or when laws are made i don't know i'm very blue but i'm willing to listen and hear all that stuff out but uh because I don't think growing up, you know, you, you saw trans people. You're just like, oh, okay, cool. 
that dude likes dresses that girl likes tomboy stuff but maybe if i were an asshole or saw what really cruel people do to those people maybe my uh mind would be different right if i saw trans people getting beat up as many have i'm sure then uh then I'd be more militant about it, but uh, I'm a little bit more casual. Anyway, fascinating. Just a fascinating podcast. Um, I went to the Dodger game last week. That was incredible. They uh, didn't score. They scored. They, it was one nothing in the top of the first because the Cardinals, of course, had to score right away. And then halfway through the game, the Dodgers got one. So it was one-to-one for a lot of the game. And then finally, in the bottom of the ninth, Dodgers get a guy on second, Bellinger. And then Chris Taylor puts one into uh, – over the left field fence with two outs and one strike. Just amazing. It was, we were sitting by idiots like that were Dodger fans. I mean, some of the worst people I've ever sat at a game with, but in the end we were just so relieved and excited and it was exciting. And then the Red Sox Yankees, they played the night before the Red Sox knocked them out, which was beautiful, right? Anytime, you know, if the Yankees and Cardinals get knocked out back to back nights, man, that's a good postseason for baseball. So, um, my football team lost to Servite last week. Servite is uh, just a great high school football program still. They were great in the 80s. I think they dropped off in the 90s maybe, and uh, they're great again. Servite, man, is like they're a smaller Catholic school. I feel like they're Vermont or New Hampshire. They're very. I feel like it's a much more easier school to manage just boys you know, than some of these other big schools. Okay, um, that's all I got. I got a show coming up. Thanks for listening, by the way. This is just me basically reading my diary of the past week so i don't know hopefully it brings you some entertainment or insight Uh, i got a show coming up october 23rd which is saturday night at the irvine improv um 7 30 i'm sorry 7 and 9 30 so hit me up or just go to the show 7 and 9 30 with steve byrne and i think gary um gary will be with me gary cannon Irvine Improv, two shows. And then uh, I think that is all. And I'm doing a show with Francis Lorenza, November 12th down in Carlsbad as well. She has a show down there. And that's it, man. And that's all I got. And then maybe some cruise ships next summer. Um, and then just a bunch of writing in between then. A bunch of writing? How about no writing? How about that? Just a bunch of ideas being written down. But maybe I'll use this uh, whole this thing about... Uh, Let's get them out of Hollywood. That's a good show. All right. I love you. Thanks for listening. Keen on Things podcast. Keen of comedy on all social media platforms. We'll talk to you later.